Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Wednesday, July 6th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lift. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rocket City Lift. I'm Brett Goodman. And I'm Tara Bolger. And we come to you three times a week to bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. Today we are going to be talking about a passage from the Gospel of Matthew. But before we get into our scripture, let us begin with a prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, you have offered us love and grace in abundance. And we are grateful. We are called to offer our very selves to you, but it is so very easy to be distracted by the immediacy of the day, by the greater concerns of our world and our lives. And so we pray that we would just hear you when you speak and that in hearing we would be transformed. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our scripture is from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Brett, Jesus is asking this question. I would think the very fact, if I were just reading it at first glance, that they're his disciples, it would be obvious. But why is he asking this question and what does the answer matter? Uh, but before I answer that, I just want to tell the listener that if anyone was concerned that we would have uh, not enough energy or fall asleep during this podcast, Tara spilled the largest cup of tea. I can't believe you told on me. <laughs> Everywhere. So we're alive. We're up and at them. We are, we are good to go. Although nothing, Tara no longer has her tea. <laughs> nothing will make you wake up like a cup of hot tea coming at you fast across the desk. That's for sure. And also, just in case you're wondering, I'm sitting here in wet shorts. <laughs> Oh, but to to our scripture, I think that Jesus is asking uh, this question to his disciples uh, kind of twofold. One, it's a question that he asked his disciples and he asked all of us as his disciples. This question of who do you say I am? And he starts out with, uh, you know, who do people say uh, that, that he is? And they give an answer. But ultimately it comes down to that uh, singular question. Who, who is Jesus Christ to you? Who, who am, Jesus asked, who am I to you? And we all have to look at our lives and understand that. We all have to answer it for ourselves. Uh, at a certain point, um, we can say, I've heard this about Jesus. I know this about Jesus. But what does that mean? Who do I 
who do I know Jesus to be? Uh, and I think that question uh, will be answered differently uh, by people as their experiences of Jesus have been changed. I bet if if I were to answer that and you were to answer that, it would be it would have many similar tenets, but there would be some differences uh, in our experiences of who Christ is. Uh, and I think also that it comes down to Jesus then uses it as a point of revelation. Uh, Jesus continues on of. Again, Simon Peter gives an answer that is absolutely correct, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But then Jesus draws that out and goes further, that he is the Messiah and the Son of the living God. And what does that mean? That because the Son of the living God has come to earth, that no longer, as it says, the gates of Hades, which we know is a poetic use of death, uh, that that death can no longer uh, have power over the church. These powers of sin and and the ultimate destruction no longer bind us, uh, that there is freedom in that. And that's a continuation. So I think those, those are kind of two things to work out from these questions. What do you think about them? I think I want to answer it in two ways. The first is in a contextual way, in the, in the whole of the story of Matthew's gospel. It matters who they believe Jesus is because they're moving towards Holy Week and the crucifixion. Mm. Um, they're moving towards some real difficulty. And if you truly believe that Jesus is Messiah, um, if you believe this is the son of the living God, that's going to sustain you as you do the work of being the church and living through Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. On another level, I think that for Jesus, there is always, always, always a congruence between what you say you believe and how you live. Um, It's integrity, right? That there should be some cohesion. So for them to admit you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus says, what a blessing it is for you to know that, and you're now going to be the church. You're going to live your life in the knowledge of who I am and what that does for you in relationship to God, and you're going to hopefully, at its best, give the people a glimpse of what the kingdom Mm. might be like. Mm. And so I think this is really a linking between, um, you know, what your faith is, and what you say you believe, and how you live your life, which is what your discipleship is. Hmm. And I was thinking about if I'm going to say this, because it sounds a little harsh, but I'm going <laughs> to. Uh, this is where I'm like, we've only got five listeners in right? <laughs> it's not going to hurt. But, you know, we hear a lot about people who are spiritual but not religious. And what that, my conception of that is they believe in God, but they don't really take part in organized religion. Mm-hmm. Jesus is very clear here. If you believe in Jesus, you are the church. Mm -hmm. You don't get a choice. Mm -hmm. You don't get to just believe and then go about your business. It should claim every part of your life. And it's hard and it's a lot of work. And it is also the greatest blessing I have ever experienced. Mm -hmm. So um, I think, I don't know, Brett, what do you think? I think Jesus is saying, guess what? It's a spiritual claiming And it's also a religious one that you're going to have to live as this community in the world. Um, Even when you get it wrong, even when people do terrible things, then you're going to have to be the person to help uh, reclaim the church for the love of Christ. It's it, it. I think it harkens back to our Roman scripture of that it is a renewing of the mind and a, and a sacrifice of worship of the body of, um, you know, I've, I've told some of our um, young 
parents who have, uh, you know, infants uh, that they come to church and sometimes the infants will cry in the back and I know it can be frustrating or embarrassing and I just thank you. I like I and, and I know this is hard work. I know it's difficult to get them here. I know it's difficult when uh, your baby makes a noise and someone turns around and looks at you, not because it's judgmental, just because they're looking and now you're the center of attention. And, and that, you're judging yourself, and you're judging so you're yourself, feeling anxious anyway. And, and you're feeling all of these things and yet your physical presence and worship, your child's physical presence and worship is a gift to that whole community. It is a reminder of life. It is it is a gift to every single person in that church. And so that is where I think exactly what you're saying, where uh, if they were, if you were just to be spiritual in your own uh, yoga in the morning or your own quiet time in the morning, again, I think those are important parts of our spirituality, but that's divorced from the physical gathering of the community, that's divorced from the physical uh, serving with the community, uh, then I think a large part of, of who we're called to be is missing. And I also think uh, the other end of it, right? Um, when you come to church and there's a baby crying two rows behind you and you can't hear anything, and there's a reason they use crying babies at Guantanamo, right? I mean, it's hard to listen to. Um, and the sermon isn't very good. And actually, they stepped on your toes a few times and said some things you really disagree with, but you come back the next week anyway. Not for any other reason than because you're the church of Jesus Christ, and that's what he has asked us to do. Um, I believe people are formed by gathering as the church, particularly in worship, in ways they don't even know. Mm-hmm. In ways even in ways I don't even know. Yeah. You know what I mean? To walk into a worship service is to say, it's not all about me and I don't have all the answers. I'm going to try and be open. And some days I'm better at it than others. Absolutely. And I think that leads us perfectly into this quote from Brennan Manning, who says, My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. Mm, Amen. Friends, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you will come back and join us again on Friday. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may God give you grace not to sell yourselves short, Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to remember that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. May God take your minds and think through them. May God take your lips and speak through them. May God take your hands and work through them. May God take your hearts and set them on fire. Amen. Amen.